Well, hey, I am uh, super excited to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I want to say thank you so much for joining us. We consider it an honor that you would spend your Sunday, especially if it's your first time with us. We want to say good morning. Church, can you help me welcome every person here for the first time? And hey, for those of you who are tuning in online with us, we are excited that you're here today as well. We believe here at Propel that Church Online is a supplement, not a substitute. So if you have the chance to get into the house on a Sunday morning, you've actually got time if you're local to get ready for the 1030. So we'd love to see you in-house today because we believe God's got some uh, incredible things to do. Now, we are in week two of a message series called Run With It. Uh, but not only that, we're in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is day eight. And I'm just telling you, I, I'm, we've been praying, we've been fasting. I got to celebrate uh, six years with my beautiful wife yesterday. Can we just give it up for her? Love her so much. And, uh, and man, I'm, re I'm ready to preach today. So if you got a Bible, let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. It's our theme verse for this series. It says this, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, so that he who reads it may run with it. Habakkuk's been experiencing some incredible strife in his area. He's got some problems, and he sought after the Lord, and the Lord gave him some clear direction for what to do next. But he says, hey, I want to give you a vision, and I want to make it so clear that whoever reads it can actually do something with it in their life. And we really strive for that here at Propel Church as well because we have a vision here, but it's not just the vision that we have for our church. I believe it's God's vision for your life, and it goes like this. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. I'm going to have you say it with me. You ready? Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We believe if you do those four things that you'll have a holistic relationship with Jesus. That when Jesus came and he said, I came to give you life and life abundantly, it can only be experienced when you and I know God, when we find freedom, when we're discovering what he made us for, and then we do something in that, in the world with that. And so the first thing, we're going to talk about knowing God today, and for the next four weeks we're going to go through these individually to give you vision that you can run with. But if you're taking notes, the first thing is this, God desires a personal relationship. And like for some of you, when you hear that, this, this personal relationship aspect, you're like, no, 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 no. But, but see, see, God, God doesn't, like, does he know what I've done in my life? Does he know the mistakes I've made? Does he, does he know the way I used to think about him or the way I used to talk or act? Or, yeah, yeah, God knew all that and he chose to love you anyways. Like that's the good news of the gospel is that God desires a personal relationship with every single person in this room. From the foundation of the earth, the way God created you and I was for a personal relationship. And I love church attendance, but can I just tell you, church attendance is not where it stops. Because God wants to personally connect with you. And there's a man by the name of Nicodemus. If you have a Bible, go with me to John chapter 3. That's where we're going to hang out today. In John chapter 3, we find the story of a man named Nicodemus, and he's searching, he's seeking, he's looking for some answers, because he's got some questions. And I think some of you are in here today, and, and you've got some of those same questions. You, you don't really know how God works, and you're kind of exploring faith. Hey, we want you to know that this is a safe place where you can belong before you believe, and uh, you can even belong before you behave. Can I get a good amen? Right, like we, we just believe it, that God... God desires a personal relationship with you, and we're honored that you're here. So if you have a Bible, John chapter 3, verse 1, I'm going to dive right in. 
If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be available on the screen. Or thanks to the generosity of this amazing church, and we have free Bibles that we'd love to put in your hand. You just stop by the Next Steps area on the way out, and you can grab one of those. John chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a good teacher, come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. So from the very beginning of this, Nicodemus comes out, and, and it tells us a few things about him. We know, obviously, that there was a man by the name of Nicodemus, but that he's a Pharisee. Now, Pharisee in this time period was a member of this ancient uh, religious sect. They were distinguished by this strict observance to uh, the traditional and written laws. So, so, so here's, what, here's what the religious leaders did. Is every law that you ever find in the Bible, they were like, they were like yep, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it, doing it, doing it. Checklist religion. I've got to follow all these laws. It, it's very strict. It's very tight. And, and commonly, these guys would have this pretentious nature about themselves. They would look at other people who were sinning or look at other people who didn't live like they lived, and they would look down on them. And, and normally, we would go, oh, Pharisees are terrible, right? Because Jesus, Jesus is looking at Pharisees. He rebukes Pharisees over and over and over again. However, I think most of us live our lives like Pharisees. Because sometimes when you become a follower of Jesus and you get saved by grace, you look at other people who are still stuck in sin and you look down on them forgetting the grace that God gave you. And Jesus is actually just, there's something different about Nicodemus too, because if you go to John chapter 2, Jesus has gone through this thing where he's rebuking Jewish leaders. He's rebuking these people saying, man, you, you talk about me, but you don't know me. You, you, you've been waiting for me, but you've missed it. And then we see Nicodemus come to Jesus. There's something different about Nicodemus. Man, Nicodemus was doing all the right things, but something inside of him was still missing. He was doing all the right stuff, and he comes to Jesus by night. It's no coincidence. Pull up uh, John chapter 3, verse 1 one more time. It says that this man came to Jesus by night. Why? Why? Because you know when your friends are sleeping? <laughs> At night. <laughs> he didn't want nobody to know. See, because these, these Pharisees couldn't figure out whether or not Jesus really was who he says he was. And Jesus isn't just coming by God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God in the flesh, and he's come to not just do some great stuff. He's come to save the world. And Nicodemus is afraid of what his friends might think if they know that he's seeking after God. Some of us are in that same position. You made this 2020 decision that you were going to get back in church, and you made this declaration, hey, I'm going to do it. But you're, you're still trying to approach God in secrecy. God doesn't operate in secrecy. He says, he comes to Jesus by night, and he looks at him, he says, Rabbi, we know you're a, you're a good teacher, but he's not just a teacher. He's fully God. And Jesus, if, if Jesus for you and I is just a good teacher for us, then he might change your behavior, but he won't change your life. Like, he might change your attitude, but it doesn't change your eternal security. So we need to know Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior. But here's the good news about Jesus. Even when you don't come to him with the questions you actually have deep down, he knows exactly what you need. Because in the next verse, verse 3, it says this. This is what Jesus said. So Jesus replied, truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. 
Now, did Nicodemus ask him a question? Nope. He flattered him. <laughs> he said, man, we, we know that you're this incredible Jewish leader and that you, you've been doing all these great things. We, we, we know that, but, but Jesus just comes out the gate. He says, look, look, here's what you want to know. Deep down, the answer that you have, the question that you're looking for is, how do I, how do I make it to heaven? Like, what does the kingdom of God look like? We've been waiting for this for so long. We've been looking for this. And Jesus says, unless you become born again, you won't see it. How can a man be born again when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time to be born? So, so the first time I read this passage of scripture, I kind of looked down on Nicodemus. And I was like, Nicodemus, come on, man. How, you don't get it. Jesus is trying to tell you. All you got to do is be born again. Here's the problem. If you dig in to look at what it means to be born again, you're going to end up more confused than you started. Because <laughs> sometimes we don't understand this God thing. His ways will forever be higher than our ways. His thoughts will be higher than our thoughts. When, Je when Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, you have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. I just want to kind of, we'll leave that verse 3 up because I want to break it down for us. The first thing we read is no one. No one can see. There's another passage that says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, there's a separation between where God originally created us and where we are now because of sin. No one can see the kingdom of God unless, unless, that's conditional, he is born again. That there's this transformational thing that happens inside of each and every single one of us. And what God doesn't want for you and I to do is to be like a Pharisee, to just go through the checklist and try and keep all the laws. We have to experience a transformation in our lives. And so if you're taking notes, the second thing for you is this. We become born again when we acknowledge Jesus as Savior. We become born again. And we acknowledge Jesus as Savior. Notice that what Jesus doesn't look at Nicodemus, who has worked his entire life. He's been spending a ton of time just working and striving to get access to God. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't say, work a little bit harder, do a little bit more. He says, you must be born again. In other words, there's got to be something that takes place outside of your control. Because let me ask you a question. How many of you got to control your birth? None of you. So what Jesus is trying to do to Nicodemus is to show him that this seeing the kingdom of heaven, this new vision that he's going to have, will only take place if something happens outside of himself. In other words, there's got to be an act of God. And we become born again. This process begins in your life and in my life when we first accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When we acknowledge that Jesus is not just a good teacher, he's not just a prophet, he's not a really cool dude. No, he is the full payment for our sin. And what we see is when he says that the, no one can see the kingdom of God, what's the kingdom of God? It's the regeneration of God's original design. So go back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, God creates everything in perfection. And God's plan for your life and my life is to recreate that. But you can't see it unless Jesus is your Savior. There's this new vision that takes place. So we'll keep reading in, uh, in, in John 5. I, I tell you what, though, hold on. So, you know, we're, we're talking about Jesus as Savior. So John 3.16 
incredible passage of scripture. Right, so uh, it is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, that's probably one of the most commonly recognized passages of scripture in the entire Bible. That falls right into the middle of Nicodemus' story. And most of us don't realize that. See, God is talking to Nicodemus because what he wants him to understand is that God has a global plan for the world and an individualistic plan for every single person in the world. So for God so loved the world is a global thing. But whosoever believes in him is individualistic. So you and I have to get that, yeah, God desires a personal relationship with us, but he also desires a personal relationship with everybody else in the room. And Nicodemus's walk with God up until this point has all been based on the group he's a part of. So he thought his eternal security was found in being a Pharisee. Maybe, maybe, okay, fine. Maybe being a Pharisee was not enough, but he's also a Jewish man. And as a Jew, they would have been known as God's people. If you ever needed a golden pass to heaven, it would have been being a Jew. And everybody knew it. And Jesus is saying, hey, you're never going to see it unless you're born again. Like, like if you don't experience transformation, there's no way you get access to heaven. So verse 5 says this. Jesus answered him, most assuredly I'd say to you, one is born of water and the spirit, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Now, sometimes people will say, all right, so what Jesus is talking about here, you got to be born of water and the spirit. It means you got to get baptized. That's not, that's, that's not it. Born of water is, is a physical birth. You've got to experience physical birth, and the good news is you've all done it, right? <laughs> Right, like you've had, that's happened, check, done. Second thing, you got to be born of the Spirit. In other words, there's got to be something new that happens in your life. And so what happens in your life and mine is that we first accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We surrender our life to him. But next thing is that transformation happens in our life when we receive the Holy Spirit. So, so God we have a God who exists in three parts, Father, Son, and Spirit. You can see all of them at work in John chapter 3. You just go back and read it on, on your own time. But God the Father loved us so much that he would send his Son to save us. The work of the Holy Spirit is to transform us. Because Jesus can pay for your sins, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life at work, then you'll never become like God. You'll never become the person God created you to be because there's nothing inside of you because of sin because sin separates us there's nothing inside of us that draws us to God's plan and purposes outside of the Holy Spirit so we receive the Holy Spirit some people go like I'm really cool with God I actually don't know about God the Father because you know sometimes we have father issues growing up and I'm cool with Jesus right I'm, I'm great with him he, he paid for my sins I love that the Holy Spirit thing that's a little weird to me, and I don't know if I'm really, like, on board with it. Do I need the Holy Spirit? You don't need the Holy Spirit. You, 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 let me rephrase it. I don't just need the Holy Spirit for my life. I need the Holy Spirit to make it through Walmart, right? <laughs> like, I need the Holy Spirit to make it through 85 traffic. I need the Holy Spirit in the middle of my marriage because I need something in me that changes me from the inside out. 
that draws me to the plans of God, that calls me to holiness, that calls me to all that God has for my life. I need something in, I need the Holy Spirit in my everyday conversations because without the Spirit, I'll throat punch somebody. But with the Spirit, I can pray for my enemies. I can love those who persecute me. I can, I can give grace to those because I realize grace has been extended so much to me. And I think for many Christians, this is a new concept for Nicodemus as well, that, that there's the, the Spirit of God. Because before Jesus pays for sin, the Spirit of God isn't placed inside of people. It just dwells within a specific region of inside of some curtains in the temple. But now God wants to put himself inside of us to give us. This is what, um, look at what uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says. It says, Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As if God paying for our sins wasn't enough. God says, I've got another gift for you. And it's the Holy Spirit. And Jesus even looks at the disciples and he says, hey, I need to make sure I'm going to go be with the Father, but don't go do ministry. Don't go, don't go out until you receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when you and I work without the Spirit of God in our lives, it may look fruitful, but it's fruitless. Like it may have the external appearance of things going really well, but it doesn't make a difference in the world. When you and I have the Spirit of God that calls us to the things of God. And you and I are changing daily. This, this new birth is that you and I are experiencing new life. That 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone has been in Christ, he's been made a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The only way you get to walk in new life is that you receive the Holy Spirit. And you've got this thing inside of you. And you know what the Holy Spirit allows us to do? It allows us to know God personally. It allows us, because Scripture even goes on to say in other places that when you don't even know what to pray for, your spirit cries out to God in Him. And I don't know if you've ever been there before. I don't know if you sat down broken and hurting, just needed something outside of yourself. The Holy Spirit transforms us. We're grateful because we wouldn't have the Holy Spirit without Jesus. God exists in three parts for a reason. And I'm going to teach, I'm, at some point this year, I'm going to dive really deep into God the Father. But, but you and I have to not only have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but we need the Holy Spirit's work in our life. So Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus. And it, on the outset, it looks a little confusing. Nicodemus doesn't understand it. In fact, if Jesus was having that same conversation with us, I doubt we would. He's talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is not really asking questions, but Jesus is saying, hey, look, if you want to see the kingdom of God, it, it, you came because you're seeking. You've got this desire in you. But if you want to see it, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born of both physical birth and spiritual birth. And you can, you can do that. Um, but, but then Jesus continues going. As if the, the metaphor wasn't confusing enough, Jesus then throws this verse in John chapter 3 verse 7 out. He says, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. In other words, yeah, yeah, look, it's confusing. I get it. Don't, don't focus on that. Look, the wind blows wherever it wishes, and you can hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So it is everyone who is born of the Spirit. 
And when I was reading this passage of scripture, I, I kind of just stopped for a moment and go, why? What? We were just talking about being born again. We've got two different kinds of birth. Why in the world does Jesus want to talk about some fast moving air? Like, like, why does he want to talk about wind in this moment? But all throughout scripture, you can find that wind is actually an indicator of the Holy Spirit. And what he's again trying to show Nicodemus, you don't know where it comes from. This thing that happens is going to be outside of you. You're not going to have control over it. You can't tell God what to do or when to do it. This transformation that takes place is going to be something that you may not even understand or see in the moment. Because I wonder how many times you and I start pursuing the things of God or we're going after the things of God. And then all of a sudden we don't feel like it's working, but God's still working in our life. We don't feel, man, I've been trying to change my attitude. I've been trying to do this, and, and, but I just, don't, I just don't see. I don't see the progress, but, man, God is still working. There's been things he's been uprooting in your life that you didn't even know were there. So he talks about wind there. But right now in Nicodemus' life, see, he's a religious leader. And as a religious leader, his life is actually built a lot like a rowboat. This is a canoe. So Nicodemus' life is very strict. Uh, he wakes up in the morning, and, and he begins to row. Because he's on a pursuit for God, right? We, we see Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is coming. He's trying to get to God. He's, he wants to grow in that relationship. But right now, Nicodemus' game plan looks a whole lot like this. I wake up in the morning. Uh, read my Bible. Ooh, another side. Don't want to... I'm going to go too far left because that's what the law of Moses says. And don't want to go too far right, so we're just going to keep praying a little more. And got to make sure we fast several times a month. Keep the Sabbath and don't do anything on the Sabbath. Your grass can't get cut. Nothing, nothing can happen. I'm just going to keep rowing. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep striving. I'm going to keep doing. And Moses, Moses, Nicodemus is rowing, and he's working really hard. In fact, the beginning of John chapter 3 tells us that he's not just a religious leader. He's the leader of the religious leaders. He's the head honcho. He's the chief rower. He's the guy who's been working and working and working at his relationship with God. If you looked from the outside, you would go, yeah, he's definitely got it. Modern day, here's what it looks like. We go, oh, you know what? If I just, oh, if I just pray and fast during 21 days of prayer, I'm going to get God. I'll know him. If I, just, if I just come to church every Sunday and if I just keep changing my friends to make sure that the friends I have are like God, if I just shift my routine a little bit, I may not be a morning person, but I'm going to give my first to the Lord and, uh, and we just keep rowing. And we keep rowing, and we keep rowing. And, and hear me, none of those things were bad. It wasn't like Nicodemus was doing the wrong thing. But if you go back to the garden in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, what you're going to find is that there's two trees. There's the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Oftentimes we think that what Eve and Adam ate from was the tree of evil wasn't. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I can know 
good things to do. But if I spend my entire walk with God rowing, do you know what's going to end up happening? I'm going to become exhausted. It's tiring to just row. Because for a lot of us, when it comes to God, we spend all of our time working, striving, doing more, rowing. And I'm creating a lot of momentum. But the momentum of my walk with God is all based on me. But there's a different way for you and I. And I think that God talks about wind because his desire for us is not to live our walk with him like a rowboat. His desire for us is to live our lives like a sailboat. See, a rowboat, you actually have to do all the work. But a sailboat is contingent on the wind of God, on the wind, something else outside of us has to move it. The difference between religion and relationship is one thing. Take it, write this down. Who's in control? In the rowboat, I'm in control. I determine the pace. I set the course. If I feel like I want to go left, I just start hitting the left side a little harder. If I feel like I want to go right, I'm the one in control. What Jesus is trying to talk to Nicodemus about is, to, is a shift in being in control of his life because he did really good at following the list. He did really good at rowing. But when you and I enter into a relationship with God through Jesus and we receive the Holy Spirit, our life with him is to operate like a sail. It's to sit and allow the wind of God and the breath of God to move and propel us forward. The interesting thing that I see in this passage of scripture is the word pneuma is used for wind. Pneuma, if you go back to the Greek, is it means breath of God. So Jesus is not just talking to Nicodemus about wind. Can we, can we pull up that John chapter 3, verse 7, verse? Uh, Don't marvel that I said to you, look at this, the breath of God blows wherever it wishes. That changes it a little bit. It's not just the wind. What he's saying is, Nicodemus, if you'll stop working for it, if you'll start, stop striving for it, and you'll just sit in the boat and open your sail, the breath of God will blow through your life. I'll create some things. Look, go back to Genesis again. It's the breath of God that creates. And I wonder in 2020 if God doesn't want to create some new paths for us, but it's not going to be for us working, striving, and rowing. It's going to be because we sat and we opened our sail to say, let the breath of God move something in my life. Let me ask you a question. Are you a rowboat or a sailboat? <laughs> when it comes to your walk with God, are you a rowboat or a sailboat? Because up until this point in Nicodemus' life, he has been trusting in the fact that if he can work hard enough or if he can be in the right group of people, if he can do enough or strive enough or be good enough, then he'll see the kingdom of heaven. And 
Jesus in. That's not how it works. If you've been around Propel Church often enough, you'll know I teach this same message about 47 different ways a year. Because Jesus is really clear about something in Matthew. That many people will get to heaven and say, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. We came to church in your name. We, we rode a lot. We did a lot of good stuff. Jesus is going to say, yeah, but the breath of God wasn't on your life. Because you were still the one that was in control of it. Are you the one that's in control of your relationship with God? Are you the one that's still calling the shots? Are you tired and exhausted because you've been working and rowing day after day after day? Because if you are, you're not alone. Jesus actually looks at a whole group of people who are Jewish people. And he looks at him and he can see that, man, they're exhausted because they've been rowing. Not just for a few weeks, not just for a few years, but for centuries they've been rowing in order to have access to God. And look at what it says, Matthew chapter 18, verse 28. Come to me. He doesn't say come to church. And I love you showing up. But if you come to church more than you come to Jesus, you've missed it. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. If you and I aren't careful, what will end up happening in our efforts to row and get closer to God is our hearts will become hardened towards people who can't row at the same pace we row. Jesus says, I don't work that way. I'm gentle. I'm humble. And you will find rest for your souls. So we know this is not a physical rest. It's a spiritual one. It's an emotional one. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light some of us in here we've been working really hard Nicodemus wasn't an outsider man Nicodemus was a normal dude Nicodemus was a churchgoer Nicodemus was rowing and rowing and rowing and I bet he even enjoyed it but he still missed it settled for something good instead of something that was God and I would hate for you and I to get to the end of our life and realize that we've been working for something for so long that could have simply been received by just opening up the sails of our heart and accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior so for just a moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed in the room, I want to create an opportunity for you to respond. For you to say, hey, you know what? I'm a lot like Nicodemus.
I've been rowing, I've been working, I've been striving, but but this year I'm going to do something different. I'm going to allow God to transform my life by opening the sails of my heart to Him. If that's you in this room, would you just simply indicate that for a moment by throwing your hand in the air and saying, hey, that's me. I see those all around this room, all around this room. We're not going to work for it. We're going to rest in it. Come on, church, do me a favor. Everybody says this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.